Welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 338, and it's going to be an episode where we'll have a a bit of column A, column B. Some books from this week, some books that we didn't deal with last week here on the show. But before we go into that, let me tell you to go over to Twitter at WSMarvelComics. Follow us. We have a 100% follow-back policy. We'll follow you back, and you could give us some, you know, tips and criticisms or just say hi talk about comics things like that or you could just follow us and never say anything but we will follow you back so we all have that opportunity to talk and see what everybody is up to and then when you're done there you can go over to our patreon patreon.com slash weird science where you can support us for the things we do here on the feed but get a lot of shows in return a bunch of marvel shows one of the big things each week is the Badass Picks of the Week Patreon Spotlight Show. That's what I am calling it now to give a little props to the badasses where they get to pick from all the books coming out that week. They pick two to be on a Patreon Spotlight Show. And this week, they pick Kang the Conqueror number two and Extreme Carnage Agony number one. Now, with that, me and Brandon weren't able to get together last week for Extreme Carnage Toxin. Number one, so I decided to put both of those with a drunken Brandon in for the spotlight. So it's actually for a change, a three, a three book spotlight. I'm trying to think of things uh, with both of those: extreme carnage, agony, and toxin, along with Kang the Conqueror, which was an issue that I even enjoyed more than the first. But I already did mention them, and now, and I, I actually forgot to do the badass roll call last week. So I forgive, or I forgive, please forgive me. It's early. I'm having problems. But this is the badass roll call. We'll go with that, right? Oh, everything's so smooth here on the show. Here are the badasses. Jay Jennings, Ted Probst. I love Punchline. Michael S., Forrest Polly, Cam, Joseph Logic, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Balone, Niels T. Wart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, Rake, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Algin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Beer from the Bat Pod, Ruben, Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, Luke, Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Manship, he listens to everything, but I, I don't know, he doesn't talk much of the Marvel podcast, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, don't need him, Pete from NYC, my man Pete from NYC, uh, Batman Beyond Mark, my man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo, who is on that spotlight, drunk, double A run, an all-time Badass, Reginald, Drinkwater, boom, R.I.P., Missy Reggie. So we have a bunch of books as the song keeps playing. Keep going. Hey, all right. Yeah, I should do my beatbox. With... <laughs> That's like the Fat Boys, and it's very, you know, telling. Uh, but, yeah, we have a bunch of books here we're going to be going through. It's going to be me, myself, and I. 
to bring in another awesome rap group, De La Soul, here. But yeah, we're going to be going through a couple issues and have some fun with it. So let's go on with that right about now. And I'm going to start with Black Widow number 11. Seems I know there's been delays, but there seems like there should be a lot more issues here than 11. But it's written by Kelly Thompson, art by Raphael De La Tour, colors by Jordi Belair. Mwah! Love Jordi Belair. VCs Corey Petit on letters. And I just want to stop before we go into this. Rafael De La Torre filling in for Elena Casagrande. I love it. I think that this is a real good choice to fill in. The art does not take much of a dip at all. And it looks like it has that feel of Elena Casagrande. They have very similar art styles. So I think that this was a great pick to have in here. And if, in fact, and I didn't look this up, if Rafael De La Torre is not exclusive to Marvel, and is up to draw a bunch of things. I say that he gets a hold of DC Comics and says, hey, whenever Joel Jones can't keep a schedule, which is like always, I can fill in because I think that the art style is really, really similar to hers. And I think it would be really, really awesome. Uh, here is the recap. Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. The Black Widow, recently gave up a beautiful husband, beautiful husband, and perfect baby boy. Perfect he was. Not any problems. It's funny because I thought that boys were made of like snails and puppy dog tails. But no, this baby was made from Natasha's DNA because he's her actual genetic son. In order to protect them both with the Winter Soldier's help, she sent James and Stevie far away where not even she could find them again. Now, I keep bringing this up. I keep bringing up the fact that if we keep being told that we're never going to find them again. And we keep having this in the recap, keep reminding us about, you know, the kid and the dad. And, you know, I'm saying that James and Stevie, there's a good chance that we're going to, I mean, you don't want to get, this would have been something that would have been stopped in the recap a while back. And it didn't. And it comes to play in this issue, or at least starts to. Now her fears were justified. It's funny too. You go through this first paragraph of a recap, there's nothing about fears or anything. It's all about James and Stevie. And then the next page, it's just her fears were justified. What? A new villain arose in San Francisco and began spreading deadly superpowers to his followers. Natasha and her allies defeated Apogee and his Olio. Olio! But Apogee escaped and young ally Lucy is now stuck with electrical powers that won't turn off. And Natasha's stuck with her, right? Oh, my. And I, I like Lucy. I like Lucy in the book. I love Lucy in this issue because it does give that young hero feel with her and Anya. Because, yeah, you know, Elena and Natasha, they kind of are a bit serious most of the time. I mean, Red Room, Spies, all these things going on. It's nice to have that bit of light with Anya and Lucy kind of joking around and with each other and stuff like that. So I do like that and it says the black widow's problems are just beginning aren't they always but you end up starting off with yelena training anya and lucy and you know they're going back and forth and i said i like lucy in the book now i'm still gonna say that last issue ended with a very forced way to get lucy in the book because she had the powers the powers were supposed to kill you eventually you had a serum developed to get rid of those powers but somehow when lucy ended up getting the serum she ended up stabilizing her powers. Nobody else, just her. 
again, a forced way to get her to stay in the book because you can't have her really without powers, but you can't have her die. So they do this, and I'm okay with that. I'm leaving the forced nature behind because I do like her in the book. Now, there's a little thing in this issue that might show that they're trying to maybe get rid of her at some point, but we'll see. It's kind of a gray area, but we'll see. But with that, you know, they're testing out Lucy's powers, but also training with Anya. And Anya and her going back and forth are great. Well, Yelena's kind of checking things out. Hey, look, you know, when you went to block this one web, your power supercharged. Are you controlling that or not? She's not. That's a concern that maybe at points when she's not fighting crime or doing something, her powers may supercharge. They're going to have to look into this. Well, while that's going on, Natasha just walks by. She's heading out. Hey, I'll be back in an hour or two. I'm heading out. Yelena's like, where are you going? Now, this, again, is part of, you know, their their little deal here. You know, Yelena's there to be a partner. She's not there to be somebody who is, you know, she says, an employee. She's not supposed to be left out of the loop. This is supposed to be open communication between her and Natasha, almost like sisters, again, because they kind of are the widows here. And you end up where I think that, like Chicago once sang, it's a hard habit to break here to give up your information. Natasha's used to just leaving, being on her own all the time, and not having to deal with, you know, hey, I'm going here, I'm doing this, because most of the things that both her and Yolanda do are, are spy things. They're secret things. But you end up having Yolanda say, no, that's not how it has to be. You have to tell me. And it's it's kind of a nice moment. I mean, this is a subtle moment, but it is a character moment where Natasha doesn't give the full deal. She says, I'm going to see a source. He's not particularly open to new people. Okay. And then Yolanda says, was that so difficult? And she says, yes. Yeah. So it's a nice, it's a nice back and forth. But that is a stepping stone. That is a deal now. I don't know. I'm I'm worried. And with Natasha and with the whole deal, I'm always worried about stuff where when she does open up more and when she does try to accept people in her life, and this is not just in this book. I'm talking all the time. Things go wrong. Things really go wrong with that. How dare you, says Greta, because I don't want anything to happen, not only to Natasha, but that also involves everybody around her at that point. But I do do like this team. I really, really do. Now, I'll mention Kate Bishop was in the last issue. She ended up coming in to stop Apogee with them. Seemingly, she has left, and nobody's talking about it. So you get that. But this is a one-shot. Who knows what happens after this? But, you know, Natasha goes off, and she goes to see her guy, Maxie. And, you know, they have a little bit of back and forth to show that Maxie does care about Natasha, maybe more than he should, whatnot. But they end up going to get this information that Natasha needs. Now, first off, it is a envelope that is papers and documents for some and says uh, for a young lady to disappear. Now, you could sit there and go, oh, my God, Natasha's leaving. Or you could think that uh, you know, I wouldn't think it'd be for Anya. To me, it's Natasha or Lucy. I don't think it's Natasha. That'd be silly. It, it's got to be for Lucy. Now, this may be one of those things. Where, you know, you end up having Natasha say, hey, if you want to, we can give you a new life like this. I don't think Lucy would take that. Now, there's also that bit. If it is Lucy, there's also that bit with these wonky powers. You don't want to send her away with wonky powers, but we'll see. But then 
the talk goes to Apogee, starts seeing it, seems Maxie's aware of Apogee. Everybody knows Apogee, right? I mean, he's as hot as Hansel and ends up saying, hey, thanks for taking care of that Apogee. He was killing people, whatnot. Uh, but you end up having Natasha saying, I need some information. It doesn't seem like he is done. Like, I need some more things, and that's where you get the setup for the rest of this issue about the twins. We'll get to the twins in a minute. Pretty cool. And I I have a couple things that I really do like the way that Kelly Thompson played off these twins. But the big deal is they're, like, they're kind of, like, rich influencers that run a freak show Cirque du Soleil thing. You don't even get as far into that that we actually do. But the weird thing is she's looking for information about Apogee. And this is where Maxie's going to send her because he says they know all the stuff going with a high society vibe. I never took Apogee or his Oleo as anything high society. I think that it's more of the way what they like to get their nose in. Everything would have been better. But, you know, Apogee high society did not click with me, but it's fine. They're going to go up. And she says, are they friendly? Eh, You know, kind of. They like to have fun. You know, like to maybe eat their food. Okay, you know, play with their food before eating it, stuff like that. And, and, okay, I'm going to go. They like to eat their food. You know what? I do, too. What what is that? I like to eat my food. But, yeah, then you end up having her say, I have something else. And it is where she's giving a picture of James and Stevie and says, here, these are some people. They went away for about two and a half months ago. They left. Can you find them? Can you find out where they are? Maxie says, are you sure? And she's like, yes. So there you go. She wants to at least know where James and Stevie are, which I figured we'd get to that eventually. I'm glad that it's this. I actually thought that it was going to be one of those where somebody ends up, and this could have been you know, years from now, but they end up finding them and kidnapping them or something like that. Now, with that, does this mean she's going to go and grab them? Is she going It doesn't mean that. She may just want to make sure they're safe. She may just want to go see them one last time. She may whatever, but it is something that keeps going, and that's why you kept mentioning it in the recap with them. We go back uh, to Anya and Lucy still fighting and, and going back and forth, and again, it, it's just fun you know, young hero back and forth dialogue, which is pretty cool. Well, Natasha comes back and she's kind of shaken with the idea that she did give Maxie that picture. It was probably something that she didn't really think she was going to do, but just in case, and then she does. And Yelena realizes that Natasha, something's wrong and kind of alludes to the idea. Yeah, I did what you think I did. And I meaning the picture and trying to find out where James and Stevie are, but there's things to be done. There's things to be done here, and she says, hey, Yelena, get your nice dress on because we're going out high society, and they go out. I love where you end up having Anya and Lucy, who are just constantly training, it seems, say, oh, man, look at them. I think that they're leading a lot of different life than we are. Yeah, and then Anya goes, hey, you want to blow off the sparring and watch some TV and eat pizza? Yeah. Of course, you know, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to eat their food, too. I'm such a moron. Ah, But you go to the circus. And it's funny, too, because Yelena, you got to remember that high society is not anything that's going to weird out, you know, Yelena or Natasha. They're used to doing this all the time and whatnot. So it's almost like a corny version of high society, Yelena. She starts throwing shade at it because it is called 
circus son which is swedish for circus and she's like what this is supposed to be high society and this is the ikea circus pretty good yelena she's yelena is really really good at the trash talk i'll tell you that well they end up meeting the twins and this is where i said i think that kelly thompson plays this off really well in a way that i think most should because you end up having these twins one woman big bulky lady and her brother who is a skinny dude but they share this they end up saying the sentences they end up either talking together at the same time which i think that's better i hate when you have that back and forth like a tweedledee and tweedledum where they end up one person says something then you get the ellipsis then the other continues going back and forth no just stop playing that game just either what this looks like having them talk at the same time or you could even guess that at points sharing the same word bubble that at some point one takes over for the other whatnot. I thought that it was really cool the way that was spelled out. And then when you get in this fight, because they're going to fight, we, we all know this, right? Uh, they end up where I said the bulky girl, the skinny guy, they share mass. So when one needs to be bulky, you know, there they are. But if the other one does, they can end up dissipating, then growing big. And so they share mass and it does play out in the battle, which is pretty good. Again, at parts of this battle plays out really well, just like the Elena Casagrande stuff. And they're fighting back and forth. Elena is fighting the guy. Natasha's fighting the girl. They're changing mass, going back and forth with that. At some point, Elena seemingly gets a brick. Out of nowhere and, and hits the guy in the face. I don't know where that brick came from, but it, it really came in handy. And then you get that long spread page that we usually get in this, where a lot of beating up, a lot of fighting, really good. But what you end up having there is Natasha realizes with sharing the mass, you know, when one is in trouble, they share. But if you could get one, which she gets the woman, uh, she ends up making it so that almost gets all the mass and the brother is going to end up dying, you know, so they have to end up uh, doing that. So with all of that, it's it's a cool fight, right? It's it's a cool deal. And it's Liv and Lars, by the way. They live the girl, Lars, the guy. And you can imagine they're like, here we are. It's Liv and Lars here with the fightings. Let's get it on, right? That's how I say it. And, yeah, but that's the thing. This fight wasn't really for being angry or anything. They just wanted to fight. They wanted to you know, kind of step up and see how well they do against the widows. They got their butts handed to them. So there you go. And with that, they end up giving information, though. They're like, okay, we're going to give you the information. This was just the dance that we're doing. And yeah, you know, Apogee and all this is involved. We know what's going on. You have to go to the Golden Gate Gala. It's a one of a kind event exclusive. You've never experienced anything like it. But what it is is a front to supposedly things that are going, you know, targeting metas and targeting things like Liv and Lars. I mean, they are obviously have some meta powers here with changing that mass, and they're afraid that eventually it might come to them. They may get attacked and things like that. Now, they're not being completely truthful for all of this, but it is the Golden Gate Gala that they will go, and Apogee is involved. It seems like what's going on at this Golden Gate Gala behind the scenes, there is somebody that is controlling and forcing some metas to do bad things because it even seems like Apogee might not be the big boss, but also may not even be doing things so willingly as we thought. So you end up having that. They're going to go off to this gala. But then when they leave, Liv and Lars end up kind of like, well, we kind of got our butts handed to them, feeling pretty petty. Let's get on the phone and call. And I don't know, maybe you're supposed to be 
thinking this is the person behind it all that they actually call and say, we sent somebody your way. Uh, you know, you'll be pretty happy. They'll be there soon. At least two people don't really say who, but you know, you better watch out. Something's coming your way, giving a heads up to what might be the big bet. So we'll see how that plays out. But overall, I liked it. I liked this issue. I liked it a lot. I thought that it was really good. I really do like Lucy and Anya together. So I hope that continues and we get our fight. It's basically set up like the typical Black Widow book that Kelly Thompson's writing. You get that fight scene in the middle and stuff, but I do like Liv and Lars. I thought they were pretty cool villains. And we get a big thing where we're going to go off to this Golden Gate Gala, which should be, you know, the next big arc. So I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Again, love the art. And I'm going to move on to the next book. And for the next book, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine to do last week's Daredevil number 34. Written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Stefano Landini, colors by Marcel Menez, and letters all the way down to the bottom of the page. VCs Clayton Cowles kind of gets dissed that way. This is Lockdown Part 4. Daredevil is incarcerated. It's funny because if this was Brandon, Brandon is intoxicated. It would say that, right? It probably wouldn't. Serving time as his custom alter ego, Matt Murdock inadvertently discovered that the warden running the prison has been illicitly overseeing the manufacture of a dangerous drug called Resid. The entire prison was dosed with the behavior-altering stimulant, and Daredevil himself has assumed control of the facility. Sitting on a throne of chairs, a pile of chairs. I'm telling you, this rickety bunch of chairs, he's going to fall and he's going to hurt himself. He's lucky. They're lucky he can't see. Or he'd look at this and say, where's OSHA? OSHA's not going to approve this giant, I don't know, mountain of chairs. It's very odd. Very odd. Meanwhile, Electra's claimed the Daredevil mantle in Matt's steed, putting her on a collision course with the most notorious and dangerous enemy of both Daredevils, Wilson Fisk, formerly kingpin of crime, and now mayor of New York. This has been busy with another role, though, cloning Daredevil's archenemy bullseye. That's a heck of another role. Electra narrowly survived an attack from Bullseye thanks to Iron Man and is looking to make a deal with the Armored Avenger. Things are escalating at the prison. Matt's finally contacted the authorities on the outside who only negotiate with one man, Detective Cole North. Now, negotiate, yeah, kind of the idea of I'm going to tell Cole what's going on, but also get angry at him. I mean, you do have Matt Ghost with this reset. And I love this book. I need to have Daredevil get out of jail. It's been too long already. It's just let's move on. And it does seem like this will be, you know, the start of that as we even end up going towards the Devil's Reign story that's coming up in December. So you end up with this reset. It becomes a bit of a little bit of social commentary sort of thing. It's okay. You end up where Daredevil says, hey, Cole, what, what up? I'm here on these bunch of chairs. Don't worry, I'm not going to fall, hopefully. But also, there's fires raging around. He's sitting on these chairs. I'm telling you, these chairs bother me to all end. He ends up saying, hey, I was an informant for the FBI. They thought that the warden was doing some labor stuff and people were dying and, you know, that. But no, it's that he was concocting this reset and using everybody as guinea pigs. And what this is is that this stimulant that gets you all angry, right? It's not just like, it's like the Adderall times 50, but it also gets you pissed off like a, a roid rage. But what ends up happening is you end up dosing a guy 
They end up, as they're actually going to be let out, they get out, you know, on parole or whatever, they go back to their neighborhood, and somehow this chemical does transfer to others in the neighborhood. And what this is, is a way to try to have Chip Zdarsky's trying to explain a social deal of why are certain neighborhoods always getting the criminals? Why are criminals always back in jail? And instead of it like, well, you know, they don't have many other options. There's a lot of things. This recent doesn't explain crap. And it kind of does now that I'm thinking about it. It washes away the real problems as if it's just saying, well, everybody who goes back into the system, it's not the system's fault, you know, or not the opportunities outside. It's the reset. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of just washing things away. This doesn't feel right to me, but there you go. That's what it is. It explains things in this book a bit. But with that, you know, Cole He's got a gas mask on and things like that, but he ends up getting him fights. This one guard comes up, or guard, it's a prisoner, comes up and fights him. And then Matt leaps off of his chairs, and they end up fighting. And unfortunately, Matt ends up hitting. Cole knocks off that gas mask. Things are going down. Now, the big turning point in this is in this fight and all this stuff that Matt's doing. And even with the idea that Cole... Everybody, including Electra earlier, is like, man, you holier-than-thou jerk. Look at you, you daredevils. And he mentions that, you know, Bullseye, clones, out and about, killing all of New York, shut down. Matt did not know of this. Now he needs to get out. Now he needs to stop his nonsense on his throne of chairs and get the hell out with that. Well, then we go to see Electra, who is healing thanks to Tony Stark. Tony Stark gave the nanites. She's like, man, this is even as good as the hand and this and that and i'm like all right i i like the idea of you know mystical versus science and it's a it's a dead heat here for her right now but she's you know getting her stuff on she's gonna go out and she figures okay this is what's gonna happen bullseye is killing everybody in the city he wants me i want to kill him let's have a showdown and yeah there's a lot of bullseyes but i think i can take out a bunch before they kill me this is you know, a hero's choice. She's going death by bullseye, but there are too many bullseyes and bullseye doesn't miss all these things going through her head. I'm going to take out as many of them. You know, maybe there's 12 and I'll take out 10. Then two are a lot more manageable for everybody else. So I'm going to do that. And she does go out and pretty much, you know, spells it out to everybody in the city by putting her you know, face and everything on every sort of electronic billboard and things like that to kind of draw out Bullseye. In the meantime, you you have, and Chip Zdarsky does spin a lot of plates. We talked about this before in this book, where then you have Kingpin, who is all pissed off, talking to Wesley, you know, where's Mary? Where's Typhoid Mary? This is a thing where you see that he has a lot of feelings for her. But at this point, she has gone out, and he seemingly is saying, even though I've seen the solicits, doesn't really seem to be the but Go find her. We're going to bring her back because I want to fire her face to face. You know, he wants to fire. I'm going to get rid of her. I think that what's happening here, you know, Wilson Fisk is going through this crazy bunch of emotions that he's not used to caring about somebody this much. He And and in his mind, I think that he thinks he can't. The idea that when he has in the past, it's almost like I said about Black Widow. You know, when he ends up caring too much about somebody, bad things happen and bad things happen to him. I think he's trying to put on this tough exterior and say that but he's not going to be able to do it. Again, I've seen the solicits of what happens with that. But, you know, 
Mary's still out and about. And you do, like I said, Daredevil, he ends up deciding he's got to get out of there. He gets a gas mask on so that he can fight his way out, fights through the cops that now are descending on the prison. Even Cole says, you didn't give me enough time. When Matt says, what What did you say about Bullseye? I mean, you could go with Cole saying, let's go get them together. Everything's fine. I don't know how that would work, you know, with the judicial system that you would just let him out. But this sort of story, I think, kind of plays out where a lot of times what you could have ended up happening is, Bullseye's out and about. We can't really do anything about it. Yeah, we have Electra Electra Daredevil out there, but we need... And they might have given almost like a Suicide Squad type of deal with Daredevil. We'll let you out for this weekend. Few days to kill, right? You know, the whole deal. But instead, he's just going to fight his way out. And he does. He fights his way out of the prison. We'll end up seeing that Kirsten comes to talk to him because of all this stuff. Hey, I'm his lawyer and whatever. He does end up going and hiding in her car. That's kind of how it ends. But with that, you end up having Electra out and about. Like I said, she presses, you know, little tap of the forehead and all of a sudden every bit of billboards and things, Times Square, all this stuff is all Electra to just say, come and get me. Hey, Bullseye, here I am, you know, have at it. And with that, though, and it's a weird progression in my mind because all of a sudden, you know, Bullseye does get involved. All the Bullseyes are coming. All of a sudden, right next to Electra is Typhoid Mary Daredevil now. And this kind of goes back and harkens back to before Matt got arrested, where I'm Daredevil, I'm Daredevil. All of Hell's Kitchen were dressing up as Daredevil because Daredevil wasn't out and about and things like that. So it's kind of a cool little deal with that. And it's really cool to think of Typhoid Mary and Electra both dressed as daredevils going to fight a bunch of bullseyes. That's pretty cool. And with that, I do like where Electra, she isn't going to, you know, turn down a gift here. You know, don't, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth. When you end up having the deal where Typhoid Mary comes, she says, hey, uh, looks like you had the same idea as me. And that's where you end up having Electra. Like, maybe I have a chance here. Maybe I won't have to die and we could still take it out again. There seemingly is Matt coming as well, because like I said, Kirsten shows up. Hey, I want to talk to my client. No, nobody can get past here. She's like, oh, crap. She goes back into her car and calls Foggy, starts telling the prison's a mess. I don't know what's going on. They haven't told me anything. They, I don't know where Matt is. No word. And then she sees that Matt's in the backseat of her car. And like, I, and it says, I need your help. I need you to drive me to Manhattan. Boom. I'm going and says, I need to save the city. And really, if you end up here, which you will. And I hope there's spread pages galore and stuff like that with a battle of Electra Daredevil, Typhoid Mary Daredevil, and Matt Murdock Daredevil fighting multiple bullseyes. I'm in. I'm in for that. I mean, that'd be great. So, yeah, this this issue's really good. Uh, it, it's one of those where I think that Chip Zdarsky, this is my favorite book. This is my favorite book in all the comics right now. Not going to include manga. This isn't blue box. I mean, seriously. But it is my favorite Western comic, I'll say. And with that, I think that sometimes in an issue like this, that's a lot of setup. It's getting things together and things like that. I, it's almost like the, the bar has been set so high for this comic that sometimes I think that I feel like I'm underwhelmed when I shouldn't be. This is an awesome issue with a bunch of awesome moments here. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 9.3 out of 10. And 
I'm going to move on to the next issue. All right, we'll end things with Iron Man number 12, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Angel Unzueta, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And it says, let us now cross over. We will see a little R.I.P. Avro X.A. We have some A's in here because he is Canadian. Old Colin, there from Manitoba. Korvac resurrecting an android body, seeks to boost his powers to godlike levels by stealing cosmic energies from Tatu, Galactus's world ship. Iron Man assembled an eclectic team of heroes, yes, including Hellcat to pursue Korvac off-planet. While en route in space, Iron Man was mysteriously teleported away to an alien planet inhabited by individuals from across the galaxy, including the armored hero Avro X.A., there, they managed to form a peaceful community overseen by Tony's old foe, Stiltman, but their tranquil existence was revealed to be a lie engineered by Stiltman. And even that, the idea that Stiltman was the one who ended up mysteriously teleporting Tony to this planet never really explained well, and who was then secretly responsible for stranding everyone on the planet. Now, with that, then the living tribunal shows up. I mean, everything in this is so forced. And so and it's one of those things. I actually enjoy talking about it because I get a kick out of some of the nonsense. But it's one of those books that not everybody's reading, but everybody who's reviewing it seems to not be able to get. They're tripping over each other to give this thing a 10 out of 10s all the time. And it always seems to me that it is played out like the, well, it is almost like the Batman from our man, Tom King. The idea of having, well, we're not dealing with the the armor and the Iron Man. We're dealing more with the Tony Stark. But to me, everything is just so surface level in this and doesn't really, you know, hold up with scrutiny and things. And even stuff like, oh, look, Tony's having a problem with the drugs. And he's do- it just is all surface level to me. But again, we'll have fun with this. After Iron Man and Avro X defeated Stiltman, the cosmic enemy known as the Living Tribunal appeared. The tribunal revealed that only Iron Man could prevent an upcoming imbalance of cosmic proportions and teleported Tony and Avro X to the top two, which immediately activated the world ship's defense systems. Eh? And, uh, yeah, like I said, they're stuck on this planet with Stiltman that they have no way off. There is no possible way, even when you have been, but you still have to be able to talk to Patsy. So she's able to get a mind link with Tony, but can't figure out where he is. But then, oh, no, how are we going to get out? Living Tribunal just shows up and says, oh, I'm going to send you off to Galactus's world ship. We need you there where they go. And this is where we start out here where, you know, there's the big deal where the defense system comes into play. And you're going to have to have Tony and Colin Abrox fight off the defenses while you have Tony eventually going off to sea because a ship is coming in. And Tony doesn't know, is this my friend's? Or is this actually Korvac? He goes off and then sends Avro X, Colin, hey, you go and try to find the main controls and shut off these defenses. And it doesn't really matter overall by the end. As you end up having the ship coming in is, in fact, you know, the team Korvac and his team. And if you're not aware of that team, I will tell you right now that it is Korvac, Unicorn, Controller, Blizzard, and Human Torch. And when they confront them, Tony confronts them at that point. He even says, like, Jim Hammond, like, what are you doing? The original Human Torch, why are you here? Why are you doing this? And he's like, well, and Korvac just steps in. Well, he's decided to join me. 
And so you're going to have this fight. Now, before that, you're setting up things, I think, in a forced way where out of nowhere, Tony goes, hey, Colin, you know, uh, where where are you from, actually? I know you're from Canada, eh? But where? And he's like, ah, I'm from Manitoba, eh? The Winnipeg area, eh? And he's like, oh, well, like, is it nice there? Well, not really. It's the stabby, you know, capital of Canada. A lot of people get murdered there. But there is some nice places and starts talking about some of the places that all this in my mind is the setup because R.I.P., you know, Colin X will die in this issue. And I think that this is just setting up the idea that eventually issues from now. Tony will go to Manitoba. We'll go to this area that's supposed to be nice. There's talk of polar bears and the kids have a curfew so they don't get eaten by said polar bears. And I think that all this is is to set up, you know, what will be feels later of Tony going and, and laying, you know, honor. Here's to honor the Avro X. And I mean, really? Do we need that? I mean, this story and this issue is a lot of nothingness. It's a lot of nothing. Leading then to, like I said, have Tony come face to face with Korovok. They're going on and on. And, and pretty much Tony gets the crap kicked out of him. Abro X gets killed. I mean, between Blizzard and Human Torch, fire and ice is what Korovak is all pleased with. Yeah, you, you pretty much blast, you know, Abro X. Colin Richard is dead and Tony is knocked out. And then. You even have at this point where controller's about to just squeeze the life out of him. Korvac, no, no, don't kill him. We want him to watch all the stuff that we're doing. And he needs to witness this with his last dying breath. I'm like, no, that's your mistake right there. And then at the end, you end up seeing Patsy coming in with the team of War Machine, Misty Knight, Frogman, Gargoyle, and Sp- Scarlet Spider coming in. To land on Galactus's world ship to fight Korvac and save Tony, and they end up blasting a hole in the side and going in. And there's Tony, who's there, you know, breathing his last breaths. It seems that they'll save him. I have a feeling he'll live. Uh, and even with this, though, and I've said before, I've said in my reviews of this on the podcast that I think that Christopher Cantwell tries to play it up like a Tom King. I already mentioned it already in this. That he plays it now all of a sudden out of nowhere You you have Tony singing Beautiful Dreamer to himself And has that And it, it, it that seems like a thing where Tom King always has Music now again Tony will Hit back in black and stuff like that But him singing Beautiful Dreamer and then at the end You have to have the credits for Beautiful Dreamer I'm like eh, it seems again It seems like you're trying to grab onto this Tom King magic which I don't think is magic At all I mean anything It's like you know, street magic where he's mind freaking me. I don't like to be mind freaked. I don't, I don't like that. But overall, the art is a little down. I like Kefu. I do. But, you know, the, the art's okay. The story itself, though, again, they're on Galactus's world ship and you just end up having Avro X and Tony walking through, fighting off some robots, then separating, then kind of coming together to go against. You know, Korvac and his team, and then Avrox dies, and Tony's left there, and here comes the Calvary. It's really a nothing issue. It really is. And so with that, I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. Uh, again, Christopher Cantwell, he'll have some things that I do like within an issue, but overall, this is one of those issues, too. You end up, like I said, the Living Tribunal has to be the thing that gets Tony off of that planet. Now, what 
did we get from that planet? What did we get from the Stiltman planet where you had Tony for a while, also not even in his book, and what you got was to really remind you that he's on the morphine, but we knew that. But again, that seems very hokey and surface level as well, even in this. At one point, Tony's talking kind of gibberish, and Colin goes, what's wrong, Tony? What's up? Oh, I'm on a lot of drugs right now. All right, we get it. Demon in a in a syringe. Is that what we're going to Demon in a drip? Hey, yeah, but you don't really get much. And so the whole overall story, there's not much being set up here and not much that's really, you know, going with me as being something hard hitting that I have to see and have to keep, you know, going. I actually read this, just see the next ridiculous scene. And also now that I'm going to be upset because Avro X is dead, we can't have, eh? What's up, Tony? Eh? All that nonsense. But. Yeah, six out of ten. And I, I do like, like, I want to see Misty Knight jump in. I want to see Ben Riley. I want to see all these things happening. But, you know, is is that a great book? I know that, again, Christopher Campbell's trying to get, like, a whole group of kite men in my mind. This all leads back to what I think he's trying to get, like, oh, that Tom King, he did this. I think I'm going to kind of get that little bit going and stuff. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but again, it looks like it's set up for Patsy to come in and save the day for Tony, but we'll have to wait till next issue. And again, I know that I talk about this, but not many people, when I look at the sales, are actually reading it, so and just do it as a little goof, right? We'll do it as a goof, but with that, that is it for the show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope that you continue to enjoy it, all that stuff, but go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics follow us We'll follow you back also go to our patreon Patreon.com slash weird science Where you can get a bunch of shows A bunch of review shows classic comics Marvel DC indie We have a cartoon show a movie show Coming up in the next Movie review show uh, Me and my man Michael G We're going to be doing the Black Widow Movie so that'd be something that would be Marvel-esque right so you can Do that and all that stuff going on Also our cartoon show me and my man, Batman Beyond Mark, we're actually going to do a Spider-Man cartoon. The poll's still up, so I don't know which we're going to do. Uh, but, yeah, all that, both Marvel things, so check it out. But thanks, everybody, and I will talk to you later.